Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 17th of March, 2013. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact info out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. Or you can go to the website, which is firearmscafe.com. On the right-hand side of the page is a send voicemail tab. When you click on it, you will be able to send up to a 10-minute message to me using your computer's microphone. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me for the show. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read out your comments on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, so please go there and click on those buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. These are all free. Finally, there are the forums at Gun Rights Radio Network, where I have the Firearms Cafe subforum. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Hey, Tony, this is Josh in Michigan, and I'm commenting on show 91 of the Firearms Cafe. You were talking about how exclusive or inclusive um, the gun culture in America can be, and thought that was a good topic. I think, you know, to the extent that people agree with me or us, I guess, about um, gun rights, then we can agree and be united. So, um, you know, if if there were, the, like you said, the um, Muslims for the Second Amendment, that would be just fine by me. Um, and, you know, I'm all for women shooting, and uh, and I think that I agree with you that, you know, we all have a responsibility to defend ourselves, and um, and so I wouldn't want to exclude anybody even people that I disagree with on other issues. Uh, I listened to Michael Bain's podcast, and I don't, I've read into a few of his comments a little bit, and I don't think I agree with every word he says on some social issues, but I am glad that he cares about the Second Amendment and is fighting for it, and um, and he really is in Colorado. Um, you mentioned, the, like, if there were liberals for the Second Amendment, liberal Democrats, and that would be fine too, but I think that one thing that sort of bears on this discussion is sort of a consistency of worldview. Do people who believe the government should, for example, um, provide a lot of government benefits for people who choose not to get a job or something like that, if people don't have to be responsible to work and the government should provide for them, then, you know, is that consistent with people should rely on the government for their self-defense too. But on the other side of that, and um, a lot of people might more see it this way, that people who believe that the government um, can care for people who are in need, but that, you know, for people who are poor 
and need help, those people not only might need government money to pay for food, but they might need the ability to defend themselves because um, they might live in a high-crime area. And so it could be consistent uh, that way. Anyway, um, I really like the podcast. Uh, really enjoy it. Hey, Josh, thanks for sending that in. Sounds like you got cut off there a little bit at the end. Anyways, I uh, hope to hear from you again soon. Please feel free to send in uh, feedback for the show anytime you want. Interesting points there. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when we say, well, if person A goes in this slot and person B goes in this slot and person C goes in that one, because they're in those slots or because they say that they believe a certain thing that, or, or that they're, I should say, affiliated maybe with a certain party, that therefore they believe everything that that party believes. And a lot of times when I'm leveling criticism and a lot of times when other people are leveling criticism as well of Republicans or Democrats, we're saying that we're, what we're really talking about is we're leveling criticism at the individuals that are in power. So more of the politicians. And it's not necessarily the guy who's your neighbor, who's your coworker, who may be on the quote-unquote opposite side of the fence as you. Uh, there's Things aren't so black and white. There's lots of shades of gray. And I think you gave a good illustration there toward the end of saying that some people would think of somebody as a liberal Democrat who would, of course, be in favor of gun control because they're in favor of the government controlling everything. But you might be surprised to learn that somebody who says, well, I think the government and and we as society do have obligation to help other people. And if they're down on their luck, we should help them out. And part of that is making sure that they have access to all this, to, to all their rights so that their rights aren't trampled on further. They're already having to face a lot of adversity by living in a, maybe a high crime area. We don't want to compound that by saying that you also have no ability now to defend yourself because the government's going to come in and do that for you. So, uh, again, very good points. And uh, I think it's something that I think a lot more people that all of us need to think more about, and we, we shouldn't be so quick to label people and try and pigeonhole them into into certain slots so it's easier for us. And uh, again, I, sometimes I, you know, I find myself that I'm guilty of that, and I try to, you know, question those things. I try and keep an open mind. I try and, and uh, listen to different things, uh, different sources of information that are different from me. And then if I find at the end I still disagree with them, hopefully I've done that by using logic and reason and not by falling into an emotional response or using, you know, some... Uh, some dogma that somebody else has decided and, and that's going to affect me. So anyway, uh, good points on that, Josh. Like I said, hope to hear from you again real soon. Hi, Tony. This is Aaron from Colorado Springs. Just wanted to send you some uh, feedback on show number 92. The situation you were talking about where folks were setting up a uh, mock struggle or mock fight to gauge what the public's reaction would be. I like to use the uh, example of two scuzzy kind of burly guys struggling with a uh, elderly grandmother type person and I don't know too many people that wouldn't want to step into that situation and uh, help uh, if they possibly could but you've got to be very careful of what you do and where you inject yourself into what situation. Uh, what if those two guys happen to be DEA agents and the grandmother type person was a suspected drug dealer? 
now you're interfering with uh, federal law enforcement and you could be going to jail. You could end up in a body bag if things go really bad. Uh, you've got to understand the situation as much as you possibly can and uh, help where you can. Where, where, you, where is your family going to be if you're in jail or, or dead? Uh, things that you have to think about ahead of time and then there's also what's going on when you have to make the snap decision on the street. It's not a perfect situation. Um, I think that uh, we should help our fellow citizens as much as we can anytime we can. And um, I have that feeling because if I were in a situation where something happened and I couldn't defend myself, I was hope that somebody else would step in and help me. But, you know, it's a, it's a problem that you've got to work through and there's no necessarily uh, solid straight answers. There's a lot of gray area and you just got to figure it out as you go along. The uh, second thing I was going to talk about were the uh, anti-gun bills that are going through the Colorado legislature. Uh, the magazine limit of 15 has gone through the Senate and House. It's sitting in the governor's desk at this moment. Uh, he's probably going to be signing it. He's basically stated that he will sign any of these bills that come across his desk. The... Um, we had a town hall meeting last night uh, where our, our local sheriff, uh, Terry Makita, spoke about these bills, talking how they are poorly written, they're effectively unenforceable, and about the only way they could be enforced is if we start going down the road of uh, gun registration. So what are you know, a handful more bills going to do that 20-plus thousand bills across the United States have not already done? So it's going uh, to be interesting times. The... Um, Bills going through the legislature, as I was mentioning, smack a lot of Obamacare. They seem to be ramrodded through, and um, the senators and uh, House members that are voting on these bills, um, I've basically stated that I will do everything in my power to um, see that they're not reelected if these bills are passed through their, uh, uh, their chambers. It's going to be interesting to see how it all turns out. Uh, I have a feeling that we're going to, I, in fact, I know we're going to be in for a, a long battle in Colorado, and this is, as I see it, a testing ground for Bloomberg and his cronies to see what else they can get pushed through in other states, given that Colorado is a uh, gun-friendly uh, city, or state, rather. And these bills, especially the magazine bans, is going to cause Colorado to lose multi-millions of dollars uh, probably billions of dollars in the uh, hunting uh, arena, which Colorado is uh, well known for. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Just wanted to uh, give you some feedback and appreciate the show and uh, talk to you later. Aaron, hey, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it and hope to hear from you again real soon. Let's talk about that first part. And it kind of goes back to some of the stuff that I said before. You know, are you really seeing what you think you're seeing? And do you have more than one plan? Do you have more than one solution? Or is your solution only one thing? So I need to have plan A, plan B, and plan C in case plan A and, and plan B don't apply to what I'm seeing or don't apply to what's going down in front of me. And of course we want, and I would want, if, if my family were in trouble or being attacked, I would want somebody to come to their aid. And especially if I was being attacked, you know, obviously I'm going to want somebody to come to my, to come to my assistance. What I don't want to have happen is somebody respond at a higher level than they need to and they make the situation worse. And again, that's where things uh, like having those different plans, trying to think out as many scenarios as you can, trying to watch as many things on 
television that has to do with this, what we would call training related uh, and trying to put yourself in those scenarios. Uh, because again, we don't want to make matters worse. Now, one of the shows, and this is a little bit off on the side, but one of the shows I think that illustrates some and and gives you lots of different situations is that show called I Survived, uh, because they go into depth about what happened, how things, how they responded to certain things. Each one of those shows has a lot of teachable moments and learning opportunities, um, and I like the show because it's not. They're not like doing the shaky cam. They're not doing like crazy reenactments. They, it, it's very uh, calm and methodical, and it gives you a chance to sort of remain calm while they're discussing realistically very horrific things in very uh, dangerous and tragic situations. But it allows you by them remaining calm and presenting the material in a calm way. It, number one, it doesn't cheapen it, and but number two it allows you to remain calm and kind of try and think things through. And it allows you, I think it lets things kind of settle in and set in a little bit quicker. So anyway, enough on that stuff. Let's talk about the second part of your email where you talked about that you were going to contact the people that were bringing these bills and this legislation uh, up for a vote and the people that were pushing this stuff through and that you're going to contact them and let them know that you're going to work to get them a new job. They're going to get a new career path. And I think that's a good thing to do. I think that if you're listening to this show and you're living in Colorado, that you need to call those guys up and let them know you're, you're hurting not only the people in Colorado, but in, you're also in a larger sense, in a bigger picture, you're hurting other people as well because you're restricting rights. And, and if it's okay to restrict rights here, it's okay to restrict rights somewhere else. Now, also, if you live out of the state, and I hadn't really thought about this until now, if you live outside of that state and you see that what we should be doing is we should be calling those people up and say, hey, we disapprove of what you're doing, and while I can't vote against you, I can send money to your opponents, and guess what? That's what I'm going to do because by restricting the rights of my fellow citizens in Colorado, there can be a ripple effect, and it can affect me. Uh, so again, good job on that, Aaron, uh, and keep us informed as, as stuff goes down. Um, I think in, in, the, in our previous, uh, voicemail that we had from Josh, he talked about one of the podcasts that he listened to was a Michael Bain podcast and how he doesn't always agree with him. And that's true. I don't always agree with the guy either. Uh, but he is, you know, he lives in Colorado and, uh, he mentions that if you listen to his podcast all the time and, He's got some very interesting views, and because he's sort of uh, he's sort of like Aaron, he's kind of in the battleground. Uh, has a, a much different uh, perspective on that as somebody who lives, you know, in another state like me in Arizona. Some of our pro bills that are coming through, um, not all of them made it that we wanted, but we're going to get we're going to make progress. We're not going to take a step back. We're actually going to take a step forward. Uh, so bringing that stuff up again, it's now is not the time to slack off. Now is not the time to say, well, I've been contacting me my people and, and, uh, there's really nothing I can do about it now. But even once stuff, certain things pass, if it's, if it's things you don't like, make sure you call them up and say, Hey, I didn't like that. And uh, I'm going to work and I'm going to fund the people that run against you because again, you are trying to restrict my 
my rights. And this isn't something that government gives me. This is something that I'm born with. All right, let's go ahead and uh, follow up with our last bit of feedback. All right, we have an email from Mike, and this is about, I had asked on the last show about uh, if you had any experiences, if you were known sort of as the gun guy either at work or maybe with your extended family or friends. And so Mike writes in, and his email is entitled Being the Gun Guy at Work. He said, Tony, that's funny that you brought that up. I am not openly the gun guy at work. I'm a director of security, and as far as the homeowners know, I'm a big fly fishing guy. The strange thing is that homeowners have been coming up to me and telling me what guns they bought and how they're getting into shooting. I guess the assumption is anyone in my trade is a gun person. The great thing is that now I have a group of homeowners that were not in the gun culture before the election and panic who are looking to myself for information. But remember, these people had no idea I was into firearms. I intentionally kept it that way. No stickers on my vehicle that were gun-related, NRA, etc., They just assumed and gravitated to me. I just wanted to pass that along. Note, we are not an armed force. In fact, we are the most non-security-looking organization I think one could find. Hey, Mike, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. Also, you guys out there that have sent stuff in in the past, uh, thank you for doing that. It makes me feel that I'm connecting with you guys. Also, please feel free to send stuff in, even if you disagree with me. Uh, Any feedback I get, I always welcome. So let's talk about Oh, maybe some of the bigger picture things that this email illustrates. And that's, I think, that there is a fundamental change in how the gun culture is perceived. Prior, and and part of this was due to the media, but part of it was just sort of due to maybe a part of the culture that we were told we were supposed to have or, or supposed to believe in. And that is that, you know, guns are the cause of problems. And it's not the people that are cause of problems, but it was the actual guns. And if we could just get rid of these guns or if we could put so many restrictions on them, well, then all the problems would go away. And on that very, very top layer of the surface, to some people, that makes sense. It's easier to blame an object than it is to blame your fellow man because something that your fellow man can do, you can do. But if it's an object that causes the problem, well, then if you don't have that object, then you're not going to have a problem. But again, if it's the person, if it's person A and you're person B, well, what person A does, again, person B can is capable of doing as well. But on a whole, I think what we're seeing is that people aren't buying into that anymore. And people are coming to the realization that everything that I'm seeing on the television and that I'm getting from the media may not be 100% true. And so maybe I need to look in a little bit further. And maybe I do need to explore the idea that having a gun and knowing how to use it gives me the options to defend myself and my family that I do not have if I don't own a firearm. There was an interesting line in Mike's email that brings up a couple of uh, interesting points to be made. And the line was that people were coming up to him and telling him, hey, I'm buying guns and I'm into shooting and this and that and the other thing. And on one aspect, that's good because what it means is that people are sort of coming out of the gun, the gun culture closet. And that's a good thing because it signals that owning firearms isn't something to be ashamed of and is something that's a, 
that will be seen as a normal thing. And if you you know if you own a firearm, it's not a it's no big deal. If you don't own one, it's it's not that big a deal either. But it'll be just a matter of of what you choose to do. And some people would 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 say though that isn't that maybe a security risk? I, I don't you know if they don't know Mike all that well, should they be coming up to him and saying, hey. You know, I just bought these guns, this, that, and the other thing. And I guess there's some validity to that. Um, it's sort of the same thing when people say, well, if you, uh, around the holidays, you know, you don't put out all your cardboard boxes and stack them out there that shows your new TV and, and all this other stuff that you got and all your expensive electronics. What you do is you maybe keep those in the house and cut them up and put them in the recycle bin piece by piece and you don't advertise that stuff on Facebook and you know, all that type of stuff. But uh, again, talking to someone that you trust that you know about it is a little bit different than, than announcing stuff, you know, again on Facebook or, or uh, basically to strangers type thing. And that's kind of what you're doing with Facebook. But anyway, let me give you, I'm going to give you a, speaking of that stuff, reminder brought to mind a little experience that I witnessed the other day. I was at uh, uh, one of these big warehouse stores, like a Sam's Club or Costco type thing. And there was a lady in front of me, and she had three little kids, and they were getting their stuff, and she was kind of making small talk with the cashier. And all of a sudden, an elderly gentleman is walking with his cart. He's already checked out, so he's kind of walking, and he sees the kids there, and he said, Oh, are they homeschooled? And then this lady says, no, they're just out on spring break. And then she proceeds to get a little bit of diarrhea of the mouth. And she starts talking about, oh, they've got two weeks out and they go to this school and they're going to, they won't go back until the, you know, such and such, whatever, like the 27th or whatever day she said, I don't remember what day she said, but, and I I remember thinking, wanting to yell at it or just, I wanted to say, lady, shut up. You don't know this guy. And then I, you know, and then you know how your mind like fires off super quick. And then I thought, well, maybe she does know this guy. Maybe that's like a friend of their family or somebody that goes to their church or something, you know, who knows. And then I thought, but she doesn't know me. And she's laying out all this information. I'm right behind her. I can hear it all. Uh, And as it happened, she, you know, she walked out. And uh, by the time she got out, by the time I got out, I, I saw in the parking lot, I saw her car. And by the time she got loaded up, because she had more stuff than than I did, we were loaded up basically at the same time. So that if I was some scumbag criminal, I I knew what school the kids went to. I knew when they were going to go back. I knew how many kids were there. I knew how long they were going to be on spring break. So again, it... It was a teachable moment for me in that you need to be careful of what you say. Even if you're talking with your friends, you need to understand where you are. What do they call it? Situational awareness. It not only has to do with with watching, you know, kind of watching your six and keeping your head on a swivel and all that other kind of cute little terms that we can say. But it, you know, it's it's all that, but it's also making sure that when you are relaying information that you guard that, that you don't say things that you don't need to. 
And again, if she didn't know this, this guy, this old man, now who knows? Probably he's harmless. Um, nothing's going to come of it. But again, she's blabbing all this stuff out. And had I been, you know, a scumbag criminal, Hey, guess what? I, I may be seeing some victims there. So anyway, um, I want to thank everybody for sending in their feedback. Uh, I've said, I know I say it a lot, but I mean it, it, it does mean a lot to me. It's a real pick me up to get it. I think it makes the show much more interesting. And I think it, it brings out things maybe that I wouldn't think of on my own. Well, I know it does. I know it brings out things that I wouldn't think of or, or things maybe that I wouldn't relate, uh, because it slips my mind type stuff. So again, uh, thank you everybody for participating. Thank you for uh, listening and downloading the show and, uh, and sticking with me. And, uh, I think that's going to do it for today. I will talk to you guys next time. Take care, everyone. Here we go. One step at a time. Don't be living on the line. I don't need a friend. I got more than on the mind. Sunshine in my brain. Making everyone complain. Radio in the heart. Don't be being so strange. Think I'm losing it. Baby, where have you been? Everybody says that you're moving again. I don't want to be right, baby, every single night. And I can tell you a thing about taking your time. It's making me nervous, yeah. One step at a time, don't be living on the line. I don't need a friend, I got more than I